Hi, this is Kim Pullen from Hope for Spouses, and this is Lunchtime Live. And welcome to this second December edition of uh, our Lunchtime Live. Today is December 11th, and today we are going to talk about the eight lies or myths that sexually betrayed wives believe about their marriage. Okay, so before we dive into that, I, for those of you, if this is your first time coming to a Lunchtime Live, um, if you could just go ahead and sign in in the comment section there, uh, just so I know that we do have some folks out there and that they're listening. And if you have any questions, uh, please go ahead and feel free to post or comments that you'd like to share. I would love for you guys to do that. But before we dive in, uh, I want to share a little bit about myself and why Hope for Spouses is here and why you should bother listening to me. So again, my name is Kim Pullen. I started Hope for Spouses, and I did that because my husband and I were separated for four years due to adultery. And uh, so I believe now that we are reconciled, we've been back together for about three and a half years. We have an amazing marriage, but the journey that I took, I know it's a lonely one, unless you really have the supportive community that you need to have and you have the biblical resources. So I started Hope for Spouses because according to the statistics, and we're going to get into a little bit of that, there are a lot of you out there who are struggling with these very same things that I did. And so I did this. This is my way of giving it back. It's my way of paying it forward because I want to really give you all their hope for those who do not have it. Okay, so we'll dive right in here. And uh, so today, the eight myths or lies that we're going to talk about are for sexually betrayed wives and what they believe is that their husband's um, sin is their fault, that they can fix their spouse, that there is a magic bullet to fixing their marriage, that they don't have anything to work on themselves, that it's all their spouse's issue, that um, God expects them to live, to continue to stay and live in the, under the same roof roof as an unrepentant sexually addicted spouse, that they can't tell anyone about what's going on in their marriage, that their pastor, the average pastor can help them, and that their sin does not have a long-term impact on their children, their spouse's sin, and their own sin. And those are all lies, and we're going to kind of break through that today. So let's start. Let's get started. So the number one lie that sexually betrayed wives believe, well, it's not the number one, but it's one of the many, is that their husband's sin is their fault. Okay, so let me elaborate a little bit. So if I had been sexier, skinnier, more into sports, hunting, camping, whatever they like, um, more attentive to them, I cooked more, I cleaned more, done things my spouse liked more, been more supportive or encouraging, then my husband would not have looked elsewhere or turned to porn. You know what? That's a lie. I don't care if your husband is telling you that. That's what they are saying in their mind because they don't want to accept the truth about them making their own choices. Those are lies, okay? You did nothing to prompt your spouse to choose the sin that they chose. That was their choice to do it. It had nothing to do with you, okay? Now, we all have issues in our marriage, things that we have to deal with, but their choice to medicate their sin through sex, to medicate their pain, was on them. And really, the truth is that a lot of the issues that they have, they had in their life well before you came into them. A lot of them got them during childhood from core wounds that happened. They, 
you know, were um, drawn into pornography at a young age. And it just really messes with the brain when they do that. They were maybe abused or neglected or abandoned, either emotionally or physically as children. And so they have all these unresolved issues from their childhood that is contributing to where they are today. We're just a sum of what's happened in our life. And if they haven't dealt with those issues, then they are going to have a major impact on their life right now and ultimately a major impact in your life and in your children's life, okay? One of the other things could also be that there's unresolved issues in your marriage that is contributing to this problem. But the core issues began way before you even came into the picture. So the core issues are, it's not your fault, okay? So also, um, let's see, oh, I wanted to share scripture. So this is James 1, 14 and 15. And this kind of backs up what I was saying. I'm going to go ahead and post this in the comment section. So it says, uh, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Okay, so even scripture backs up that we are responsible for our own choices and sin. Nobody made us do it. We have chosen to do it ourselves. Okay, so lie number two, sexually betrayed wives believe they can fix their husband and or their marriage. So for those of you who have been trying to do it, how is it working for you? Not really good, right? No, it doesn't work because it's not our job to fix our spouse. Okay, they are men. We are women. In Titus 2, please look it up. There's a whole passage about the roles of men and women. And women are to teach the women how to be godly wives. And men are to teach the men how to be godly men. That's because we can't teach our spouse how to be a godly man. It's not possible. We are not meant to be their accountability partners if they're struggling with impurity. They need other men in their life to do that. It is not our job to fix our spouse or our marriage. And also... Our husbands get resentful when we do that because it's like we become their mothers. They left their mother. They are with us. We're spouse. We're supposed to be partners. Okay. We are not their mother. And when we start acting like their mother, we go into these passive aggressive behaviors. We start manipulating situations. We start saying things without saying them. Okay. We kind of, kind of try to go in the back door to manipulate our spouse and they resent that. Okay. And it turns us into little manipulators and nobody likes a manipulator. All right. So what ends up doing, what happens when we do that, we start trying to play God, okay? We start control, trying to control, I know what's best for you, so this is what you need to do. But you know what? It shows how little we know God when we try to do that. Because God doesn't force us to do anything. He doesn't even force us to change. He could, but he gives us free will. We have the choice to do what we want to do. You know, so if we think we're trying to do God's job, then we really don't understand God very well. So, but why do we do that? Why do we try to force these things? And the, the bottom line is, is because we're afraid. We're afraid. We are afraid that our spouse is going to leave us. Our, we're going to be alone. We're going to be abandoned. Our children, we're not going to be able to make it. And that fear really goes back to our lack of faith in God, our lack of faith in the creator of the universe that we are his daughters, that we are his children, and that he will never abandon us. No matter what anybody else does, no matter what choices our spouse makes, God will never abandon us. Okay? Okay, lie number three. Sexually betrayed wives believe that there is a magic bullet to fixing their marriage. It could be a book. It could be an intensive weekend. It could be marriage counseling. It could be a tent revival. You name it. 
You know, everybody thinks that there's just going to magic bullet that's just going to change everything and our spouse is suddenly going to be different. But the truth is that it took years to create the problem in their life. They have built this super highway in their brain, okay, of repeated behaviors, repeated patterns. Some of them are pathological liars. That just doesn't change because they go to an intensive weekend. As, as wonderful as those things are, and they are great, it will not change them. Okay, it just, it does, we are such a, a fast food drive through microwave society. We expect our spouses to change because they went to one little thing and, and people don't work that way. So there's years of damage, years of creating the problem. It's going to take years. Yes, I'm sorry, but it's true. It's going to take years to repair the damage. It takes a long time for us to change. We can decide to change, but we have to change those patterns and those do take time. So, and really, God is the only one who can guide our spouse to that point of humility where they choose to change. He's the one that leads them to be the prodigal son, not us, okay? And even, even if we, you know, take our hands off the control, even if we let God go and, and work on our spouse, there's still no guarantee that our spouses will choose to change. And I know this breaks our heart. I know this scares you. It scared me when I was going through what I was going through. But ultimately, it really comes down to our trust in God. Do we really believe the God of the scriptures, that he will be with us, that he will guide us, that he will work all things for good? Romans 8, 28, okay? So I also want, I want to show you this scripture. This is an Isaiah, and I love this. I found this when I was um, going through a lot of my challenges, and it really convicted me. It said, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? And pretty much what he's saying is, you know, we can work so hard to find that magic bullet. We're trying, 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 and we're spinning our wheels and we're not getting satisfied. And it's because we're not going to the one who really satisfies our soul, to God. If you're going to your spouse to satisfy your soul, he's, he's not equipped to do that, okay? If you're going to a pastor to fix everything, it's not his job. He can't do that, okay? If you're going to um, a counselor, if you're going to all these other things, they can't fix the hole in our soul. They can help, but they're not going to fix the hole in our soul the way that God can. Only God is the one who can really feed us that way. And it's the same thing with our spouses. So lie number four, sexually portrayed wives believe they don't have to work on themselves. Now, this is not all of them, but there are quite a few out there who really believe, you know, it's my husband's issue. It's not my problem. It's their problem. And they stick up their nose and they believe that, you know, it's all about them, and I'm just going to be over here minding my own business while they take care of themselves. And you know what? That's a lie, okay? No, we're not responsible for this, our spouses and the choices that they made, but we are responsible for what is separating us from God. And if there's not um, a compassion for our husbands, they are caught up in so much sin. They are in Satan's trap. They are shackled to their sin, okay? And if we don't have some sense of compassion... Okay, as we are working through our own issues, if we don't really see with sobriety, I have sin and my sin is just as um, cap it, it captures me just as much as my spouse's sin. If we are, if we don't have a humility of about our own place before God, then you know we're we're not going to be right with God ultimately. There's a, there's a heart of humility, and yes. It breaks your heart. It kills you. You're lying on the floor like somebody just stabbed you a thousand times when your husband discloses this sin. 
And yes, you need to work through those things. There is trauma. There is betrayal. Those things have to be worked through. But if you're just pointing the finger at your husband and saying, he's the one that's wrong, I'm okay, I'm right, then you have missed the boat. You know, you're, you're missing the things that God's trying to help you to see. And if you miss those things now, he's going to keep putting them in front of me. You're going to keep falling over, over them until you see what he's trying to teach you. So the truth is you really have to work on yourself. And you're the only one that you can work on. Okay, you and your underage children, if your kids are over 18, you know, that's partly on them. You can be a great example, but you're not responsible for them. And we'll talk about our underage kids, underage kids in just a few minutes. So, but, you know, you're just as broken as your spouse, just like everybody else on the planet. Okay, in order for us to um, be able to work on ourselves and to really understand who we are at our core, we have to have a thriving, intimate relationship with God based on his word. You know, what, like, for example, what are you working on in your character? What specific things in your character are you striving to change? Not actions, not like I need to lose 10 pounds or I need to keep the house cleaner, but the, the deeper core issues of your heart, of your character. Is it lack of self-control? Is it laziness? Is it fear? Like, what are the things in your character that you're working on? Because that's what God's word reveals. It reveals our heart and the deeper things in our character that we have to change. And like I said about our spouses, those things take time. They take diligent work, us going after them. But we always have to be working on something in ourselves. Um, and if we're not doing that, then we're buying into the lies that the world throws at us. Okay. And I'm going to share another scripture. I love this one. This is in a very real sense, poke me in the eye because I think this is something we all have to, to wrestle with. How can you say to your brother or your sister or your husband or anybody, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Okay, so we've got this two by four sticking out of our eye and we're trying to help somebody pull a plank out of, or a speck out of their eye. We have our own sin that we have to deal with. That's who God's going to hold us accountable. That's what God's going to hold us accountable to is our sin, not our spouses, our sin. Okay, so line number five, sexually betrayed wives believe God expects them to live or stay with an unrepentant, sexually addicted spouse. I hear this all the time. You know, women staying in a household where they're being emotionally, verbally, mentally abused, being gaslighted, uh, passive aggressive behaviors, all this stuff is going on and they keep getting caught up in the tornado of their spouse's lies and sins and his deceit. God did not intend for you to stay in that situation. Now, sometimes we have to stay there because of financial reasons, but there's always a way when we're truly trying to honor God with our lives, to protect our children. And God didn't design you to be abused. That's, that's an abuse of the scriptures. That's a spiritual abuse of the scriptures. When somebody tells you, you need to stay in a situation where you're being emotionally and spiritually and mentally abused by your spouse. That's a lie from Satan. Satan twisting the scriptures to make um, us think something that's not true, to keep us down, to keep us in a situation. Scriptures like 2 Timothy 3.1, where it talks about uh, the there will be terrible times in the last day. People will be lovers themselves, abusive, proud. And, and very specifically in scripture, he says, have nothing to do with those people. That people who claim to be Christians and are continuing to say in our sin, he says, have nothing to do with them. And he doesn't say, unless it's your spouse. He's like, have nothing to do with them. That we are choosing to walk away from those, especially when they call themselves believers. Second Timothy 3, it talks about how if your husband is a non-believer that you need to stay with them, 
they're not addressing a situation where the spouse is being uh, abusive or he's being unfaithful. So we can't use that as an excuse. Ephesians 5 says that if somebody is living in sin this way, it says we need to treat him as we would a tax collector. Okay? So and that may not be in Ephesians 5. I'd have to look that up. I'll, I'll post that later exactly where that is. But if, they're, if they call themselves a disciple, if they call themselves a Christian, and they are not living the way the scriptures teach, we're supposed to have, you know, supposed to cut them off. It's, in 1 Corinthians, there's a whole section of that about somebody who was in sin, and Paul addressed that in the church in 1 Corinthians. All right, line number six, sexually betrayed wives believe they can't tell anyone about what's going on in their marriage. They isolate. They are the only ones um, who are going through this. At least that's what Satan wants them to believe. I have another scripture for you. If you guys are, if there's anybody on here, go ahead and pop in and let me know that you're there. And uh, this one is, uh, Satan is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, okay? So honestly, we can't heal in isolation. We can't. That We weren't designed. God is a God of community. He's a God of relationships. In uh, Genesis 126, when he created the world, he created it with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Okay, you can look that up. So we can only heal, we can only grow and change in community. That's the way God designed it. So we have to have a safe um, group of people that we can be around. Um, hopefully you have somebody in, in your physical community that, that you can build that with. But if not, then you have to find an online group. Now the Facebook group for Hope for Spouses is a great place to start. But there's other groups as well of women who are going through this journey. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. All right, so number seven, sexually betrayed wives believe their pastor can help them. And I know this is a volatile issue, but when it really comes down to it, the majority of the women I've talked to who have had spouses who have betrayed them either through adultery or through uh, viewing pornography and masturbating is they've gone to their pastors and their pastor's um, advice, whatever's gone on, has only made the situation worse or it hasn't helped at all. And the reason is, okay, the stats say that 65% of pastors believe that there is pro a problem with porn in their church, but only 7% have a plan or any kind of training on how to help their congregants to go through this journey. 7%. And that's of the 65% who are facing the fact that there is a problem with porn in the United States and in their church. So there's not many out there who are actually getting the training that they need in order to be able to do this. So most of the time, it, it just makes the situation worse. We go to some, we go to this person because they're supposed to protect us, they're supposed to reveal the truth, but they don't know how to do it. Okay, unless they have successfully walked their own journey or they've been trained and experienced, they've got an extensive experience in helping couples, okay, they're liable to make the situation worse. So. It's not everybody, but I've seen it over and over again. And I just want you to be aware of it. You've got to have safe, experienced people to help you to walk through this. Okay, last one. Lie number eight. Sexually betrayed wives believe it's not, uh, that their spouse's sin is not having long-term damage on their kids. Okay, truth. Your spouse probably grew up in a household where there was dysfunction. Well, not, that's, that's an absolute truth. Everybody grew up in a family that has dysfunction. We all do in one way or another. But 
they grew up in a family with dysfunction. That's probably why they are the way that they are. They were they either had a dad who was emotionally disconnected. Their father wasn't faithful to their mother. There may have been multi-generations of this going on in their family. And they simply have imitated. It's like, it's like the DNA code as they were growing up was written on their character. And they're simply replicating what they saw. They don't do it consciously. It's just that's what we do as children. I mean, you know how your kids imitate everything. Well, guess what? Your kids are going to imitate what they see. If you're being codependent in the marriage, guess what your daughter is going to do? She's going to be codependent in all of her relationships. She's going to imitate exactly what she sees. Children imitate what they see in their family. And so, you know, the only way that we can really get past this is breaking these generational sins, you know, seeing the truth and doing everything we can to break it. 97% of sex addicts were emotionally abused or abandoned as children. 97%. I mean, that is staggering, staggering. Okay. So in, in uh, Deuteronomy 5, this is where in the Old Testament with the Ten Commandments, it talks about how the sins uh, will be visited upon the third and fourth generation. Not that God is like going to punish the kids because of it, but the children simply imitate it because they're not choosing to be obedient to God. They're not being taught how to be obedient to God. And so that's really where it comes, what it comes down to is us, us as the ones who are being made aware of this, us making the changes that we need to make. And so in order to stop listening to the lies and to face the truth, you know, and it's, it's a lot harder than it sounds, okay? But we can know the truth, but actually living the truth is a whole different story, okay? So in order to be able to do that, we have to have a plan. We have to have a strategy. We need an experienced guide and a safe community to really help us to walk that. Um, we can't heal in isolation. But we also need to have a tenacity, tenacity, uh, to follow the truth, a tenacity to hold to God's word, a tenacity to push through the most difficult areas of our character for, for our soul's sake. Because if we don't change, it could be our, our, our souls and it could be our children's souls. We could lose our salvation over this, okay? So if you, if you are looking for this, if you've fallen into a lot of these lies and you are finding yourself powerless to really change this, and you are really determined to do whatever it's going to take to change your life, to help set your kids up for a future where they can have healthy relationships and they don't continue to imitate what they've seen in your family, then I want you to schedule a call with me at hopeforspouses.com slash apply. Again, hopeforspouses.com slash apply. And today we're also, um, because this is a ministry and so many of you have already reaped the benefits of Hope for Spouses. You've gone to our website, you've read the articles, you've been able to be on the Facebook group, the private Facebook group. You've been able to listen to these lunchtime lives and they've helped you, they've exposed things that you hadn't seen before. I really wanna encourage you to pay it forward, okay? I want you to go to hopeforspouses.com slash donate, okay? to help me keep this ministry alive and finding others just like us who don't have the biblical resources and support to find hope and healing. Most of you guys found, especially the Facebook group, most of you found it through an ad that I posted. And you know, I do it, God's given me the money to be able to, 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 be able to get this thing started. But in order to keep this thing moving, to keep it forward, really am appealing to um, the community out there to really step up and really pay it forward for those who don't have what we have so far, okay? So uh, those are your eight lies, myths. Schedule a call if you need to talk. Again, it's free. We get on the phone for about 45 minutes, 
hopeforspouses.com slash apply. And then if you've already reaped some benefits, please go ahead and donate hopeforspouses.com slash donate. Okay. We'll see you guys next week.